Welcome to Gross Anatomy. Welcome everybody to Gross Anatomy. Uh, I'm Dr. Jason Cohen. I'm Raya O'Neill. Eating a sandwich. And today we have a guest with us, Nicole. What's your last name, Nicole? I'm Nicole Greenwood. Hello. Nicole Greenwood, hello. And today it's nursing week. So we're talking to a nurse. We're actually going to talk to two nurses. You're nurse number one uh, and probably the best, but you're nurse number one and we're thrilled to have you. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. With us for nursing week. We're very excited to be talking to a nurse for nurses week. Yay. Do you know why it's nursing week? Do you have any idea why it's called nursing week this week? I actually don't. Oh, do you, Rhea? I do. Why? Why, Rhea? I'm grilling you. Well, it's named after Florence Nightingale. She was a British nurse. And it's it's pretty much in honor of her is, is Nursing Week because of Florence Nightingale. So what's it like being a nurse, Nicole, today in the time of COVID? You know, it it's had its very, very stressful moments. Um, but in that same way, it's also had some really tender, beautiful moments. So it's kind of been a mix of both as all in life. Tell us, could you tell us a a tender and a horrible moment? One of each, if you don't mind. Sure. Specifically related to COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you that. Oh yeah. I got some good ones. Okay. So there was a time in COVID in the beginning when there were no visitors allowed, literally just the nurse was allowed to go into that room. No lab people were allowed to go in. Barely any doctors went in. It was really just the nurses that would go in, do everything for the patient, not even the aides. No one would go in, just the nurse. This would prevent further risk of infection to everyone else in the hospital if less people are going into that room because no one really knew enough about COVID at that point. And, um, there was a married couple who came in, the husband was in one of the COVID rooms and the wife was in the other COVID room and the, they could talk to each other on the phone, but unfortunately the wife, um, her oxygen saturation started to go down really badly, really fast. She became confused and he was calling into her. And I could hear him coughing on the phone, having a hard time breathing, but realizing that his wife was not doing well. Wow. And I had to be the person to tell him, unfortunately, we can't talk right now. I got to take care of her. So we got to get off the phone. And that was a really hard moment because wow. he knew, and you could just tell he was terrified. So wow. How, did you, did you take care of them? on more than one day or it just was one day? Because I ended up the, well, the, the husband, I took care of him another day, but the wife ended up going upstairs. So she ended up getting transferred to a higher unit of care. Just a little background. I'm on medical, I'm, I do medical surgical nursing. That's exactly. I, I apologize for not asking you first, what kind of nurse you are and, yeah. and where you work and everything. So what kind of nurse are you and where do you work? Um, I work in South Lake Tahoe on travel assignment. Um, uh, so my assignments are three months each time. And you're a travel nurse. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to talk about that too. Well, let's talk about travel nurse. But I want to first finish hearing about this couple. Do you know how things ended for them, or you don't know? 
So I don't know. The The husband was doing better. His oxygen saturation was more stable. He was able to speak and he was more coherent. She ended up becoming really confused, really hard, really fast. And her oxygen went down. We proned her. We put her on 10 liters of oxygen. For those of you who don't know what that means, it literally means that she was just deteriorating pretty quick. Um, it almost to emergency situation. So I had to work quickly to move her to the ICU so she could be put on a ventilator and she was put on a ventilator later that day. Wow. So you don't, you don't actually know what became of them. No, unfortunately wow. not. But it must've been pretty I was there devastating. During, like, worst moment of their life for sure. Wow. wow. Well, I hope they're okay. Well, that, so that's a horrible thing. Well, tell me, was there any good stuff that that you saw or witnessed? So, yeah, actually some people might think this story is like not a good, like, you know, it's kind of, it could be in the sad category as well, but this was also during the time when, um, co- when the hospital was closed, no visitors allowed, no matter what this man was 95 year old, he had a hip replacement and he got COVID at the nursing home after he was sent there after the hospital surgery and everything. It was a couple weeks later, he got COVID comes back in and he is not recovering. So suddenly he's on um, hospice, which is like death care. So he's, we're just doing comfort care for him. And um, I talked to the daughter that day and she was, and no, no visitors again. I talked to the daughter that day and she was like, so is it going to happen today? Is he going to go today? You know, what's the situation? I was like, you know, I what do you mean? Go, go meaning die or yeah, gonna, is he going to die today? Wow. Um, and I said, unfortunately, that's not up to me. And unfortunately I can't say, because <laughs> whenever you say it, it's totally going to be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. don't say that. And, um, I said, you know, I'm going to keep in touch with you though, regardless of however things go. So I would go in the room and, you know, I'd be with him and, we had a moment where I was rolling him over and he, you know, was holding on to me. And I told him, I was like, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. And then he kind of relaxed and we, you know, he, I'm pretty sure he was aware he was, you know, going to die, but there were a few hours in between the time that I was able to go back into that room. And I happened to go into that room a little later than what I wanted to. And when I went in, I was only in there for like maybe two minutes and then he died in front of me and I ended up going to the desk and calling the daughter and telling her that it happened. And she was so grateful that I was with him because suddenly I was his family in that moment. And I had been chosen to be with him in that moment. So it was really special. She was so grateful that he wasn't alone and he could have picked any moment to die that day. And he just happened to choose the time that I was in the room with him. And I mean, that's, that's, it's not enough that it's just nurses week. I mean, it it should be nurses every single day. I mean, you guys are really, you're the front line. You guys, I mean, nothing could happen without nurses and, and, I mean, you're the ones taking care of the patients. You're the ones, you're the family, especially during COVID. I mean, you you were probably the only lifeline that these patients had rather than, you know, other than the doctors running in for a second, if that, right? Right. 
The doctors were there as well. They definitely were. And so were the respiratory therapists, which are amazing. And they, unfortunately, somehow I don't think they got enough credit. That's true. But uh, yeah, the the medical assistants also super wonderful. We can't do our job without them. So there are plenty of people that, um, you know, we definitely, it's, it's a team sport, but in the beginning, it wasn't a team sport. There was a time when it wasn't a team sport at all. And it was, uh, the one COVID nurse for the day or the yeah. COVID dedicated, you know, there are travel nurses that are my friends who I spoke to, who were in New York city when there was a huge, um, when the numbers were really high, high and bad, and they had wings dedicated to COVID specifically patients. And my friends were exhausted because it was every day they were on this COVID unit and it was just terrible. And they were still traumatized from it. (laughs) Yeah. When you became a nurse, did you ever in your wildest dreams think you would have been doing stuff like that? No. Yeah. Yeah. What, and, and when you became a nurse, did you, so you're a traveling nurse. That means you go around from hospital to hospital, taking care of people as they're sick, wherever they need you for the day. Yeah. So I, that was a joke. Uh, you didn't no laugh, no giggle, nothing. You didn't find that cute and funny. <laughs> what does what it like, literally, I just got off of a 12 hour shift. So okay. my, <laughs> what does it mean? What is it? Cause I don't think a lot of people know. I don't think a lot of people know what a traveling nurse is. So what exactly is a traveling nurse? What, what is that even? Yeah. So you go on contract and your assignment can be a certain amount of time. You can go for, and depending on what your assignment is, you can go for a couple of weeks. Mine are every three months. So every three months I move. I have a lot of friends that are, I mean, you being one of them, but more recently have become travel nurses if you don't mind me asking, is it better pay than being in a hospital or being in a It is. Let's <laughs> see, <so>, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's that's one of the benefits is you, is you get pretty well compensated as a traveling nurse. But but what are other advantages to being a traveling nurse? You get to travel. You literally get to go get to travel, be in other places. Yeah, that are so cool, and you get to learn about the culture of the place you're in and make connections with people. Um, but also kind of keep a distance from the drama that happens on the unit because people working together, inevitably there's going to be drama and you know, Oh, I'm just going to leave in a couple months. It doesn't even matter. How long, how long have you been doing the traveling nursing thing? Actually not too long. I think only like a year or two, two years. What, where have you been? What, what States or cities? Um, Mostly California, New York. So I'm licensed in California, New York. Got it. Where do you like better? Oh, that is a question. Well, nurse on from a nursing perspective, there are long there are breaks in California, like really good breaks. Not that there aren't breaks in New York, but in New York, there's um, the staffing ratios aren't as good and. I'm probably throwing a lot of things under the bus, but yeah. <laughs> being, so being a nurse in California is better than being a nurse in New York. Yeah, I would say. I, yes. didn't, I didn't know that. And where do you like just in terms of geographically, where do you like living? Yeah. That's such a good question. I change my mind on that one all the time because sometimes I'm hardcore New York and sometimes I'm hardcore California. I'm actually, I'm originally from California, but I am going to say, I think I prefer living in New York better. Interesting. Because I don't know if you know, Rhea and I 
are both New Yorkers and we're both now in California. That is funny. Yes. What do you prefer, Rhea? I'm still new to the California scene, but I'll be a New Yorker forever. I love New York, but I also am loving California. Yeah. Yeah. I actually met Nicole. We met playing beach volleyball in Montauk. Ooh, on Long Island, New York. That was like four years ago now. It's crazy. I know. That's amazing. That's why. Nice. When you became a nurse, what kind of nurse did you think when you were going to nursing school or, or said, hey, I want to be a nurse? What did, where did you think you would be if you, were, if you were looking at the future today? Did you think you would be doing this or what was your plan? Oh, so I did not think I was going to do this. I thought I was just going to climb, 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 climb. And my, I wanted to be a nurse practitioner to be specifically a women's health nurse practitioner. But that's kind of changed a little bit. So. I would be open to going back to school and maybe becoming a nurse practitioner for pediatrics or uh, adults, gerontology. I've considered it, but, um, but yeah, I don't know right now this, this is feeling really good. So I haven't been motivated enough to go back to school. Well, that's great. That's great. And, and would you tell high school you to pursue nursing? If you were going back in the past and met high school, you question. Um, I would say, yes, it's been incredibly rewarding. So rewarding that I've gotten to this point where I would even do it for free. No way. No. Wow. There's something so incredible about knowing that you changed someone's life and knowing that you were with someone on the hardest day of their life and knowing that you brought joy to someone who is miserable. Like there's some really special intrinsic, like great, beautiful motivations that are outside of money. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys really are, are the rock stars and the backbone of the hospital. I mean, it's, you know, Great nursing, that's all you really need. And if you don't have great nurses, it's a whole different ballgame. Right. You know? And that's the other yeah. thing, too, is, is once you become a nurse and you hit this certain level, um, it really is like the matrix. Like you just hit this level of, of, of ability and you can connect to all these other nurses because it's all basically the same. And then everyone, you know, has good jokes and it's just, it's just fun. I don't know how to explain it. You just, you, there's like an entertaining aspect to it as well. Good jokes. Never a dull day. How about that? There you go. Tell me, tell me what, what were you going to say, Rhea? I was going to transition out of the nurse and into the more lively things of when you're not being a nurse. What are you doing? Me? You. When I'm not being a nurse, what am I doing? Yeah. Oh, I like to hike. I like to go snowboarding a lot. I live in Tahoe, so there's mountains and there's good snow. Um, I play, I like to play volleyball. I like to do jazzercise has been my latest thing. (laughs) Cool. Are you trying to be an influencer TikToker? Not yet. Not right now. Not like, not like I am. So I I think we're going to (laughs) have Ray. I I think, I hope Ray is going to join us. He's, he's one of the nurses that I work with in the OR. And by all means, we'd, we'd love to have you stay on and maybe meet Ray if he's joining us. Yeah, sure. Hopefully he's going to join us. So it's actually uh, Florence Nightingale's birthday 
that that's why they made it. This oh, wait, okay. That makes more sense. Cause obviously I know who Florence Nightingale is, but I didn't yeah. understand the connection to the date, the, the connection. And there he is. And there's Ray. Ray, we don't hear you. It's the Can man. you guys hear me? Yeah, we do. Hello. All right. Ray, yes, meet, meet Raya, not Ray, but meet Raya. Who's, who's the co-host of gross anatomy. Who's a rock star. But you guys are the rock stars, even though Ray is a rock star. And this is Nicole, Ooh. who's Raya's volleyball friend, who's a traveling nurse. <laughs> but Hello. Ray, Ray is Ray is my one of my rock star, my personal work rock stars. He helps make life easier for me on a day to day basis. Or if he wants to, he can make it harder for me. But usually he doesn't make it harder for me. <laughs> Actually, he never does. He always tries to make it easier for me. Ray, how, how long have you been a nurse, Ray? I've been a nurse since uh, 1995. That's the, that's the time I graduated from nursing school. So ever since then, um, yeah, that so was... When, so when you were three? So no, 1995, that was, uh, I was 20 years old. So, so yeah, I'm now 47. So that was what, 27, 27 years. Well, you're still a baby. You're compared to me. You're still a baby, Ray. I I thought we were a little closer in age, but I'm a little bit older than you. So you, oh. so you, so you have to be a little nicer to me. No, you are always nice to me. So, so you're not the typical. So Nicole is a traveler nurse. Hi, Nicole. What? Hello. Yeah, and you're you do something. You've totally branched out and gotten like super sub specialized. What what are you doing these days with nursing? Yeah, so that's a really great question. Um, the first thing is that I, I joined nursing just because um, I was really sick when I was probably I was 12, 13 years old. I was so sick. I, was, I, had, I had pneumonia at that time, and um, I was in the hospital for a month. And my nurse, I think that was the reason why I joined the nursing uh, service because she was really taking good care of me. And um, she pushed me and eventually pushed me to be, become well. And, and that's, that's what, that's what made you become a nurse? That's what, that's what it was. That, that, I'm going to interrupt you for a sec. Because we didn't find out why Nicole became a nurse. What was your motivation, Nicole? So I went into it initially because someone inspired me to, to go into it. Um, basically, my mom uh, is a nurse and she inspired me to go into it. But aside from that, I was told that I'd make good money and I'd have good job security. So go do that. And I did that. And then I found out that's not the reason you go into nursing. <laughs> and there you go. So Ray, back to you. That's a, that's a good story. Ray, what Thank about you. you? So, so, so yeah. So after that, I, I, you know, I started in the OR. It's always been the OR. I always loved to scrub and that was like my little goal in life. So you started as a scrub tech? So, no, a, a scrub nurse. Uh, that time there was no there was no surgical tech. It was just uh, you you go to the OR either you want you 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 really have to learn how to scrub and how to circulate. So those are two roles in the in the OR nursing. So from there on, in my old hospital back in Vermont, uh, they trained me when the robotic surgery came into the picture and said, like, "Hey, why don't you try and lead the program?" And so eventually I did. I kind of you know, help out the hospital there and, and lead the robotic surgery program. And it started with urology and then the colorectal. 
and um, eventually Before you I even left. came to the West Coast? I didn't know you, you were already a robotic person on the East Coast. Yeah, I was. So, so yeah, when I, when I moved to the West, and that was one of the key points that I got hired because um, at that time, robotic surgery was growing in Cedar sinai And I think uh, when they saw my qualifications and my resume, I was like, oh, this would probably fit. And that's why I got, you know, I started off as a staff nurse in, in, the, in the floor. And eventually I, I, I just, because of the program just keeps on getting bigger and bigger, there has to be someone, some figurehead, apparently it was me, to like, okay, have this guy manage it and see how this program evolves. And now look at us now. I mean, from like, what, 500 cases a year to like 2,200 a year. It, it, so it's I, got, I must uh, confess, I thought you were just a floor nurse at the hospital and then an OR nurse and then just started doing robotic surgery. I, I didn't realize um, you already had the background and the training. Yes, I, I was meant to actually do first assist uh, training, but then this robotic surgery came into the picture. And so I was, doing, so I was going to do an RNFA. I was going to do join the RNFA school. Um, What's but, FA? Father... Uh, first First, oh, assist. first assist. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, to me. What I think, if the if not for robotic surgery, I would probably RNFA or probably go back to school and do med school. I think that was kind of one of the things that you know. Should I go proceed go to med school? That was kind of when I was in you know like ten years in nursing. I said, okay, maybe I should do it. You know, I'm still early. You know, still young. So but what's your role now? What's what's your title? What's your so, role now? So I'm the robotic surgery specialist at Cedar sinai Medical Center, which means that um, I basically, as you said earlier, <laughs> make your life easier, right? From making sure that your cases get plugged into the schedule rightfully and uh, being able to do these cases without hiccups that you have absolutely all the things you need from instrumentation to supplies. And not just that, the staffing itself, that I make sure these guys that are doing your cases are actually well-trained and provide safe and competent care. And that's why you won't know that before they actually join into you, you know, do these cases, they go through me. I have to give them onboarding. Like I had to uh, go through a whole day of, of uh, we have a full day of training, didactics, you know, how to dock the machine, how to, engage the instruments, et cetera. So they have to go test. So you're, uh, you're, the guy, you're the guy making sure all our robotic cases go smoothly, basically, aren't you? Correct. I asked Nicole this. Would you, I asked Nicole what she would tell high school Nicole. So if you went back into the past and met high school Ray, you go back to the, okay. you have a time machine and you go back into the past and you meet, yeah. you meet yourself as a high school student. What would you tell yourself to do? Would you say still become a nurse? Absolutely. I think um, going back, I mean, I would, I would never change whatever ha have happened to me and that what had made me right now. I think <clears> or <throat> nursing is a different, is a different specialty in a sense of being a nurse. Because um, just by being able to give that sense of, of comfort and sort of security for the patient, because to me, when, they, when this patient, when my patient goes to sleep, right, you are their eyes because they cannot, they cannot see. You are, their, you are their voice because they cannot speak. 
to basically the patient you're representing them so when you give that yourself to them you entru- they entrust you in a sense and that makes to me the most wonderful feeling that now someone really trusted me entrusted me their life that making sure that they're operating on the correct side for one and then and then if there's something happening that that during the case someone would have to speak up like hey this decision is not correct we have to change this so to me so going back to the question i absolutely wouldn't change anything i would still prefer to go nursing and i, I think the route for me would would be still the same cool i i'm going to ask you both two questions and and then we could break and i love you both for being here for nurses week and i love you both that you're taking care of our our people you know um the two questions i'm going to ask you both are um and you could answer them in either order a where do you both see yourselves in in five years 10 years 20 years and then b um try to if you want to outdo each other with some type of story that you've experienced or or witnessed or seen, whether it's a wacky thing or just an amazing taking care of someone's story, um, and 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 that's it. And I, I don't know if either of you have a thought of either of those answers or 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 want to go first or want to go second. Um, I'll go first. Um, okay. I. I have no idea where I'm going to be in five years. There's, I doubt I'm going to do travel nursing in five years. Uh, I feel like there's a limit. You, you know, you can't do this realm, I guess, for so long. So I'm probably gonna be doing something totally different in five years. Who knows? Maybe I'll just uh, be a jazzercise instructor and lifeguard. Who knows? (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. Ray, what about you? Five years, 10 years? Uh, so five years from now, um, I'm looking at, you know, um, on the OR, I would think of having someone to start training the role that I am into. It's about transitioning. It's about passing the torch. So looking at that person to be able to follow and continue the, the, the growth and, 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 and pave the way for the next generation of, of of, of nurses and, and surgeons. And uh, because I work closely with you guys, with, 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 with providers, I work closely with schedulers, with, with almost everyone. Uh, my role, the role that I have is like the glue to the, to the robotic uh, service. Um, everyone comes to me. So I, I wanna have that someone to train and be able to provide that continuity in, in, uh, in the hopes that, you know, obviously the uh, minimally invasive robotic surgery is here to stay. Um, I thought it was a myth <laughs> back 20 years ago it started. And I was like, what is uh, what is robotic surgery? And I just love doing open cases, but now it's not a myth. It's, it's here to stay. Now, Definitely here um, to stay. Yeah, but on the other side of it is that um, I'm looking at, um, you know, we talked about this. I'm, I'm looking at um, having my own, sort of bed and breakfast uh resort type in Temecula and uh I I you know I've been constantly looking and getting that right opportunity to be able to just relax there and 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 have my own sort of bed and breakfast and and, and really you know because my passion besides this is cooking and and entertain 
you know, guests. So if I had my bed and breakfast, they would hopefully love my. Aren't we going to be partners on that? <laughs> I would hope so, but uh, there you go. You better uh, for, you better not forget me. Yeah. You know what? I want to tell you guys a nursing story that that just popped into my head when I was a med student. On my first rotation, I was doing OBGYN, and the charge nurse there was this old-fashioned, tough as nails, hard nurse. Like, and I, I think she was probably military. You know, she seemed military. I mean, really rigid. And she used to, you know, there'd be a C-section taking place and I'd be all excited. I wanted to scrub on the C-section and she would watch me scrub and, and I would start doing the scrub, you know, the, the way they showed me. And sure enough, I would do something wrong and she would yell at me and make me stop and start over again. And then I'd start again and then I'd like touch something wrong and she'd make me stop. And, and like for a few days, by the time I would get into the C-section, the baby would already be out and I'd miss it because she was so on top of me. But when I finally got it right and I was finally in there doing stuff, she changed her tune from being like super hard to knowing, okay, this kid, this guy, this kid's going to be okay. And then she was like all about taking care of me and supporting me. And it was like, it was such a cool, like I knew she wasn't trying to, to, you know, she, I'm sure she had some fun with me, you know, but, but she wanted me to learn properly, you know, and, and then once she knew I was okay to fly, she was like taking care of me. And it was such a, I'm getting a little choked up right now. I wish I knew her name so I could give her a shout out, but she really taught me so much. That, that's my nursing story. That's a beautiful story that has to do with like the initiation into medicine, because it yeah. really is. You can't, these are people's lives. You can't make a joke. You can't mess it up. You better do it right. Yeah. I'm getting a little choked up. Either no, you no, guys I, have a story, any, any kind of good, bad, weird, wacky kind of story yeah. or about being a student. Not being a student, uh, for a student. Um, I would, anything. Yeah. So I think one of the things, one, I think I was probably, this was way 10, 11, 11, 12 years, I got a call to have, uh, to prep a patient um, from the floor to bring to the OR because of uh, internal bleeding. So we were, we got ready quickly, you know, set up the room fast and I called the floor and like, where is the patient? I was like, oh, it's here. The patient's here. It's like, okay. Um, is it ready? Was the patient ready? And it's like, um, I don't know. So there was, there, the tone was, the message I got was, there's no hurry to this. And I know it was an urgent case because I know the surgeon and he wouldn't book a case if it's not, you know, if it's not urgent or emergent. So I went there to the floor by myself and I looked at all the charts and look at the, the last, you know, vital signs. And it's all like, you know, the, the the signs are telling me that the the patient is going to be hypovolemic, right? It's it's already there. It's 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 coming, and and I I the there was only a clinical partner. I was like, okay, look, let, let, let's get these guys rolled up to the to the OR. I can't wait no longer. And um, I called the surgeon. Hey, I'm gonna roll this patient to the OR, and I'm gonna call the anesthesia because I don't think I can wait any longer. And this is this and that and that. And so I think I made the right decision because. When we got to the OR, he was already bleeding from the inside. It was solely, 
and and so we start putting um giving uh pack cells and um but again i i didn't blame anything anyone about it but the the point i'm making is that um there were telltale signs and no one has made that sort of um urgency and i feel that that time i was called upon by whoever the supreme being said like, hey just do it someone's got to do it so i thought i thought i mean there was an it was never be me like i've always like wait you know like i, I always wait for the in, with due respect for the nurses on the floor because i know they do their job but at that time there was that sense to me that hey go do, go do this go get go go to the floor and how many times have you ever encountered a nurse from the OR go to the floor it's it's very rare and you i think a, you have a sixth sense i know and, and it was it was that moment and i and even to this day i think i would still remember and i even th- told the surgeon about it it's like yeah I, you know that was some crazy crazy night but um i think you know it hits home you know it, it's something that i i would feel that there is really a divine intervention whoever that divine intervention is um but I, I think yeah Thank so that, that was my my story as uh, uh, from an OR nurse standpoint. Yeah. yeah, but I got more. But it's, it's some of our depressing. I don't want to do that. But this this is something that I think you know we are. There's always that supreme being. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, yeah, Nicole. Yeah. We're gonna end, we're gonna end it with you. All right, I'm gonna go quick. Quick. I have two. So one of them. A 37-year-old male heroin addict was injecting himself everywhere he could inject himself. I was in there with the PA and a nurse's aide, and we he was like, wear gloves. You have to wear gloves. Gown up. Do the whole thing. Whatever you can put on, put it on. And so we were going to do an IED, so incision and drainage, which means you pump this bad boy. Pimple poppers. That's basically all you have to know. we go in and we're doing it. And then what part of the body? Uh, it was like his left glute. So like okay. his left back hip. Okay. Um, his butt. Literally his looking butt. everywhere that he could inject something. And um, we, you know, I watched the PA put the stuff in and it, he did a little, little incision and it exploded. And the patient was like, Happy New Year. <laughs> so I love that. Everyone was just laughing because it was kind of light and gross. And yeah. Too and bad you didn't video me. it. Um, and then another one was a scary one. I was working at a pediatric urgent care and the greatest nightmare of all comes in, which was a five-year-old who was having an allergic reaction, medical emergency. And Luckily, this was my biggest fear. So I prepared and I had memorized all the epi doses and like told the doctor, Hey, we, you know, immediately was like, Hey, we got this, but you know, spit it out quick, quick. And was like, I'm going to give that. And he's like, yeah, give it now. And then boom, gave it child started like within 15 minutes, breathing was normal, no longer swelling, like beautiful moment of thank you, medicine. And you things. saved his life. You saved his life. It was great. And I'm sure. I'm sure you've both saved many people's lives. You saved the doctors' lives all the time. And and I love you both. I thank you both. I thank all of all of our nurses. My wife is a nurse. 
Um, you guys are really rock stars. Thank you so much, guys. So much. Thank you. Nurses. You gotta love them. And there you go. Nurses, you gotta love them. My wife, the nurse, the master injector. We definitely love her. Love you, Bernice. Love you, Bernice. All right. Well, thank you to all the nurses for everything you do, not just this week, but every day and every week. And thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. And thank you to our guests. And Rhea O'Neill, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Cohen. There you go. Bye. See you next week. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine. Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.